Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to Loki's Librarian. If you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I am reading through the enormous library books you see behind me. Puppies. And then I give you a quick synopsis and I tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. Now, I had a slight change to my plan reading this month. I was supposed to be reading Ludwig von Mises this week. However, with the advent of puppies to my household, puppies that really like to chase cats, I had to mix it up a bit. I, I have two books on dog training, one of which is laid out like a weekly lessons. So I read the other one this week for some quick guidance, making this week's book of the week, The Language of Dogs by Justin Silver and David Donenfeld. And the accompanying cocktail is called the Salty Dog, which is one and a half ounces of gin, three ounces of grapefruit juice freshly squeezed, and garnish the glass with a salt rim. The salt rim is apparently what makes the drink pop. It's also why it's called a Salty Dog and not a Greyhound. Just FYI, the salt is literally the only difference. I already pre-salted my rim because it was just easier to do it downstairs. So I, you know, water on the outside of the glass and then salted it and there we go the grapefruit going first because that's going to be the longest one. The Language of Dogs opens with a really brief introduction to Silver and the story of how he came to be involved in dogs and dog training. And it's really engaging to read through. I mean, you get a definite sense of his likability and he genuinely comes across as a likable, nice guy, somebody that you would want to hang out with and associate with and let your dogs get to know. And the only reason he condenses it down to one chapter is because this book is not about Justin Silver. It's about dogs and how we can all be better communicators with dogs. Starting with the, and it seems like a obvious thing. First off, dogs are not humans. It's really easy to anthropomorphize dogs and be like, they totally know what they're doing wrong. No, they actually really genuinely don't know what they're doing wrong. They're dogs. Totally gonna make a mess out of this, but whatever. So the first thing to learn, other than dogs are not human, which seems like an obvious statement, is the dog's absolute belief that whatever they are doing is a-okay. All right, as far as they know, this is totally normal. And it is for them, right? Chasing cats, that's totally a normal dog thing to do. Um, they're not being jerks. They're not trying to terrorize the cats. They're doing what dogs do. So when the puppies chase the cat, they don't see that it's stressing the cat out and thus the humans are getting stressed out. They just know that this is part of their drive. My particular dogs are lab Rottweiler mixes. Um, herding, hunting, prey drive is pretty strong in them and no amount of yelling, no kitty is gonna break through to that. So what do we do? How do I better communicate to my dogs that I don't want them chasing my cats and making the cats stressed and unhappy? An absolutely perfect three ounces. That's where I'm at. Brilliant. This is going to be a messy one. Anything you have to fresh squeeze is messy. Making a mess already. Yelling at them doesn't work. And it's kind of counterproductive because basically they hear you yelling and they're like, oh, well, my good time's about to end. I better just chase harder. <laughs> Again, they're not paying jerks. They're being dogs. So what I've been doing based on the information in this book is working diligently on redirecting their attention to me, right? You gotta break that focus and get them to refocus on me. That's what I've been doing and it's been pretty effective so far. So as soon as I focus on the cat and I see that they have focused on the cat, I call their names. And 
it really helps if you very gently, Freya, Balder, and they'll immediately look at me. If I yell Freya and Balder, it, it's like something about the octave, octave of my voice when I'm yelling and even that of my husband, like flies right over their heads. They don't even hear it. So yelling, totally ineffective. What did I say? One and a half ounces. Pretty straightforward. So don't yell. Just get their attention, call their name. Uh, if they're still kind of looking over at the cat, then I'll shake the treat bag. That gets them coming right over. They know exactly what that is. And they're like, oh, well, if I go to mom, she's going to give me something. So I'm going to go over to mom. Okay. Let's see how this is. So once they're sitting at my feet, once they're off the cat and sitting at my feet, we practice this look at me. So you just, you know, call their name. Once you get eye contact with them, then they get the treat. And that's just one thing. And no, Silver does not actually specifically address what to do with the cat-dog age-old enmity. But he does address what to do when your dog is hyper-focused on something that puppy shouldn't be focused on. And that's just one of the tips is break that focus. Redirect them to something you want them to be doing. I want the puppies to focus on me, not the cats. Treats help with that end goal. Dogs are very food-driven. So um, it would also be hugely helpful if my cats would quit trying to play with the puppies. I mean, it's all cute until the cat decides they're done and they try to leave and the puppies start chasing them. I mean, my cats all have their claws because declawing cats is inhuman. It's not just inhumane, it's inhuman. Um, they just don't use the claws on the dogs. It's embarrassing how dog-friendly my cats are. Like this. A lot of the anecdotes he relays as emphasis of what he means include how humans are failing dogs. Um, dogs respond to calm. That's why yelling, no, no impact. They respond to calm authority. You'll get further with calm and in charge than angry yelling. Um, mostly, all right? There, there are exceptions, and the exceptions, interestingly enough, don't have anything to do with yelling or being angry. It has to do with your level of excitement. So if, if, when I first started, especially with Freya, when I first started trying to get her attention, just calling her name wasn't doing it. I had to be like super excited, like, Freya, Freya, come here. And you're like really excited. She just looked up at me like, Mom, I'm sleeping. You told me to lay here and sleep. I'm sleeping. But you had to be really excited, like amp it up to, to let her know that what was happening with me was way more fun than any fun she was going to have chasing a cat. So once I got her down to that, then I could start calling her name gently and she would come over. But tone of voice is everything. And the tone of voice should mimic what you want. So, for example, the, our Corgi Attila that we lost back in March, I had taught her gentle, how to take a treat gently from me, and she was very gentle with me. I'd say, Tilly gentle, and I'd hand it to her, and she'd be very ladylike. And my husband, he'd say gentle uh, with a tone of voice that indicated he fully expected to lose a hand. So subsequently, she would snap when taking the treat. I mean, he nicknamed her Sarlacc because she was so grabby with him because of how aggressively she would take those treats. And I told him, your tone has to match. When you say gentle like the fires of hell are licking at your heels, the dog isn't going to be gentle. So after reading this book, I, I feel really vindicated in my assessment of that, actually. You know what? I need to try this. Hmm. I may have oversalted the rim. It's a little salty. Not bad. Kind of a mellow drink, actually. It's not too bad. Silver spends a great chunk of the book explaining just how different people are from dog. Again, totally fair. And as he says, dogs have done so well adapting to domestication that people tend to humanize them. But really, it's, it's like Gary Larson said, we say one thing, dog hears something else entirely. 
And not just tone of voice, but actual words sound different depending on how they're said. So good boy sounds very different to the dog than good boy. Also, this might seem obvious, but not all dogs are the same. So a training program that works very well with one dog will not necessarily work with another. So consequently, training should be catered to maximize the dog's benefit. Okay. Some dogs will love the mellow. Some dogs need high energy, but all dogs need purpose. Generally, their purpose is to please whoever their human is. That's what dogs are like. That's how they adapted and became man's best friend, right? So it doesn't have to just be herding ducks as a purpose. He recounts one story where the dog needed to be taught that the best purpose she could possibly have would be to sit quietly on her bed while mom was working, with the payoff at the end of all that being a good long playtime at the end of the workday. Also, like with people, stereotypes are bad. Even bulldogs, notoriously infamous for being lay-on-the-couch dogs, need more exercise than most people think. Labs are smarter than people give them credit for. They kind of have to be to be hunting dogs, because otherwise they would just take the kill and run off with it instead of retrieve it, right? So the key is to make training fun to keep their focus. Again, food helps with this. Dogs are very food-oriented. Certain things are counterproductive, as I said, yelling. Yelling raises the stress level of everyone concerned and also cues the dog to the good time they are pursuing is about to end. And nose rubbing in case of house soiling, they learn pretty much nothing from that. Um, teaching the proper place for the bathroom is a long slog of patience, and anything other than extreme patience is an exercise in frustration for you and the dog, because they don't understand what they're doing wrong. I mean, when you gotta go, you gotta go, right? And as anyone who does go in for nose rubbing is going to tell you, it pretty much only works if you actively catch them in the act. And even then, it's usually too damn late because really, when you have to go, it's, it's right now. Also, if the accident happens when you're not home to let them out, is that really the dog's fault? I mean, you weren't even there. So, I mean, how do you punish the dog when the dog had no option? So the best form of potty training is constant vigilance. Like, constant Learn to listen with your eyes. Learn when a sniff is just a sniff and when it means they're looking for that spot. Most of the book is geared towards helping people who have adopted adult dogs work through whatever trauma the dog experienced prior to coming into your home. But there's literally no reason that none of this wouldn't work for puppies. And the same holds true, right? Each dog is individual. Each puppy is individual. Freya is a little more high-strung than Balder. Balder mostly is just like a, okay, I'm going to lay here and be a Balder. We took him to a puppy training class, and that's pretty much what he did. I've never seen a, a dog who, I mean, he was food motivated, but rather than standing up to come for his treat, he would literally slide across the floor on his tummy. It was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Spectacularly lazy, but it was funny. And that's why I've been working with Balder and Freya on the whole cat-dog enmity thing. I actually don't, for one second, think that they're trying to traumatize my cats. I think they're puppies who are trying to be friendly, and when the cat runs away, they think it's fun to run too, and so they chase. I don't think it will ever be possible to teach a dog that it's not fun to chase cats. I mean, it's not fun for the cat, but for dogs, it's loads of fun. So I have to teach them to come when their names are called. It's that simple. And I literally spent like a day and a half diligently working on that, and that's all I did was sit there and watch my dogs, and as soon as they even looked at the cat, I'd call their name. And now they're pretty consistent with it. Just call their name, they come over. I mean, it's, they're, they're not dumb by any metric. 
um, they're dogs. You got to learn to speak their language. Once you're speaking the same language, it's pretty straightforward communicating with them. It would also be, like I said, be helpful if my cats quit cozying up to the dogs. Uh, rusty, orangey, truly dog friendly. I'll be working on getting the pups to focus on me and Rusty will walk right up and rub against them because he's a weirdo. Salt. He does include a chapter with a ton of pictures on what various training commands look like and how to work with a dog to get the results for the basics. You know, look, sit, stay, heel, off, on, down, take it, drop it. He's got all those basics in there. And also a chapter on some ideal training tools and why he selected those tools. I mean, he does not specifically go into crate training, but does include easy ways to crate train if you're going to do that. Personally, I dislike crate training, uh, not least of which is I've seen it grossly misused by people who should never have a dog ever. But I mean, to me, my dogs are my kids, and I'm pretty sure if you stuff a child in a crate, they call CPS on you. Gate training I can get behind, and I do. I've set up a child gate to crawl my pups into my dining room, kitchen, and bedroom area with easy access to the backyard, and that works very well for house training because the backyard's right there. They can get out there anytime they need to. And they aren't being distracted by the cats and birds who are on the other side of the gate. So they actually do go outside to use the bathroom instead of getting distracted by whatever they were chasing. But crates? I mean, crate training has only been around since like the 1990s. It's, it's not really that old. I mean, for literally all of our joint evolution, we didn't use crates with dogs. And then for the last 30 years, suddenly everybody had to have one. I think crates are dumb in my opinion. Dogs are awesome though. And this book is awesome. It's an awesome primer on what you need to know to start speaking the language of dogs. So that's it for this week. It's not a very long one, uh, but it, I kind of knew it wouldn't be, which is why I went for a, you know, three-ingredient cocktail, which is perfect for a very short review. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.